The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Another episode of Bio Psycho. This episode is socially distant. I am Jordan, the world's okayest nurse. And I'm Kayla. Fuck Vladimir Putin. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. I don't want to fuck Vladimir Putin. No, we'll leave that uh, to somebody who <laughs> thinks they're going to get something out of it or will get something out of it because you know what? Yes. Hats off to them. Or wants to get close enough to kill him. That too. Yes. Yeah. So the world is, so the world is still very much on fire. COVID's getting a little bit better, but that's the only thing. I went out without a mask more than once this weekend, and it was weird. Oh, my goodness. I know. I went out topless. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, the bottom of my face. So I have. So I, I want to explain my absence. So I have been out on FMLA, hence, and since this is a two-woman show and Kayla can't talk to herself in public without people uh, starting to jump to conclusions. <laughs> yeah, it's not about doing an episode by myself, but I was like, that would be boring for everyone including me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, my grandfather actually went home on hospice a few weeks ago and has uh, since passed away. So I was, um, ha- you know, spending time with him and supporting my my mom and the rest of my family. My mom is his primary caregiver and she called me her FEMA nurse. So we were, uh, so, you know, we were going through that, you know, tough experience. And then in the, in the interim, uh, my husband and I had to allow our beloved cat Hawkeye to cross the Rainbow Bridge, which is, if anybody has been through that, know it, it knows it is uh, horrible. So I, you know, I had to, you know, take a couple of weeks to, you know, get everything, you know, settled with my grandfather and to, you know, mourn those two, uh, so two losses in my life, and Kayla being primarily my best friend and my wonderful friend and podcast partner secondary uh gave me a lot of grace and a lot of compassion and kindness so thank you for that my bubby and i'm I'm very happy to be back and i'm very happy that my life has less of a body count these days yeah that was a tough time but just just remember you get one fmla per lifetime so you already took yours well well shoot Do I have to fill out that awful state? So in the state that we live in, FMLA is now all done through the state. And I actually have friends that have had to use it um, for pregnancy and otherwise. And uh, the form is terrible. I've had to fill out a form for clients before. So, yeah. I mean, but I think it was a work form. I don't think it was a state form. Yes, that is. um, It actually just started after the after the new year because I've I've had to take FMLA through my job for when my mom was having surgeries and stuff. But um, now it is all. It's not really through your employer anymore. It's through state, and it is a righteous pain in the ass. Well, everything through the state is a pain in the ass. That is that is correct. That is correct. Um, So we're so we're happy to be back in action. We do have to be virtual this week. Long story, but here we are. Well, it's a short story. I I got a new mattress. My wonderful brother in law and sister helped me to move everything and remove my old mattress and bed. 
And my brother-in-law was not feeling well, and it turns out he has COVID. So I'm Whoops. just trying to be, you know, I'm vaxxed and boosted, um, but I'm just trying to be extra careful. So, yeah, especially with, you know, the, the healthcare worker that works with the very sick, uh, right. vulnerable patients. But your poor brother-in-law. <laughs> this is the second time he's had COVID. I mean, he this has a high-risk job, but. Yeah. He has a high-risk job, he which, you know, right. hats off to him. <laughs> no, no. I'm like, oh. So yeah, so we're just doing the uh, so we're just doing the very diligent diligent thing, yeah. um, but we're excited for your new mattress. Oh God, I laid on it just not, so I, like I was telling Jordan, I had to wait for it to expand because it was a mattress in a box. Mm-hmm. I laid on it just before. After first of all, I built the entire bed frame myself in two and a half hours. It was like this should take two people forty minutes, and I was like, who? What? What two people would take forty? Two people, professional mattress builders. That's who. (laughs) And then moved the eighty pound mattress onto the bed frame when I was done, and was like down for the count for the rest of the night. And then this morning, I took four trips to the dumpster to move everything outside, and so I laid on it, and I was like, I might just stay here for the rest of the day. It was so comfortable. I do have a clarifying question. How big was the box that fit the mattress? It was, so it was the length of a queen size mattress, but it was just curled up. You know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it was really long, but it wasn't very wide, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Yes. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I've only gotten a mattress like delivered to my house once and it came in the traditional mattress way. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is new. All mattresses coming in a box. I think that's a good. Th- I think that is a good thing. Yes. Yes. And you got rid of your old mattress. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, because that is also burned. a pain. Oh, that is also a pain in the butt. <laughs> yes, it is. I remember what I, I was moving, and I was moving. I had gotten a new bed, so my old mattress just needed to go away, and I actually got to throw it off a balcony, which was kind of fun. Oh, that does sound fun. <laughs> it was fun. I was like, "How am I going to get this out of here?" And I, one of my friends was helping me move, and he said, "Why don't we just throw it off the balcony?" And I'm like, "That kind of sounds great." So we flung it <laughs> and dragged it out to and dragged it out the street. Yeah. Yeah, this piece of shit was like ten years old. So yeah, this yeah, I I I think we need to. I think that should be your your New Year's resolution for five years from now was to get a new mattress. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it does really wreck your sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that's a download of what's been going on in the lives of Kayla and I. Um, lots of oh. lots of back pain and sadness. <laughs> The last, the last update is that I already have an old elderly cat that has diabetes. And oh my, yeah, that's right. My young, almost two-year-old cat now might have asthma. So if you hear her coughing in the background, she has gone to the vet. We are trying to figure it out. She gets a chest X-ray tomorrow. We're gonna go oh, from there. Okay, it's I, it's it's tough it's yeah yeah we're slugging through we're we're slugging through some shit here (laughs) podcasters are just like us we're just regular people with you know with ailing relatives and cats and but i did find you that nice thing on tiktok where if she is asthmatic you could put her in a tupperware i am absolutely gonna do that because she will not do the regular inhaler and spacer i i which, no, like I said, that's hard to get a human to do mm-hmm. effectively, by the way. Um, also, if your insurance does not cover a space or a toilet paper tube, works just fine. Oh, good to know. Good to know, right? Here to help. Yeah, so, so you know, hopefully it is something fixable, but now you have two chronically ill cats. Yes. <laughs> yep. 
The vet was the the vet tech. I mean, and the vet. They were both very impressed with her, though. They said she's so sweet. She's such Aww. a good cat. So she she is a good. Yeah, she is such a good cat. Yeah, my uh, our surviving cat trapper has to go to the vet in a couple of months, so we're we're dreading that. But <laughs> but yep, pour one out for old Hawkeye Pierce, by the way. Yes. Uh, so let's get on to our delightful episode. So today we will be discussing Sharon Carr and Bub. We never we never discuss what source material we are using. We usually watch a documentary of some sort. So what did you watch? <laughs> I watched the some sort of show about killer kids with Joe Frost. Oh my god, me too! <laughs> I think that was the only one available about Sharon Carr. Like I couldn't really find anything else. I saw like something else, but I couldn't find it. And I do always like to say where I found this. I found it on Tubi. Me too. Tubby. Tubby. Tubby Tubi. And my opener was going to be the second best British nanny, Joe Frost, uh, did a documentary on killer kids. The first best being Mary Poppins. Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. Fight me. I mean, she was fake British. Yes. Mary Mary Poppins was a real British. (laughs) Mary (laughs) Poppins. That is fair. That is fair. But the best nanny of all time being Mrs. Dowfire. Well, yes. Let's be real. She raised us all these 90s. She raised all the 90s kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. So I thought it was a weird combination that Joe Frost was doing a thing on Killer Kids, even though I I do love that super nanny. She got to pay the bill somehow, you know, these days. You know, yeah. She got to pay the market for that, that kind of reality show anymore. Nah, nah. So, yeah, so Joe Frost uh, was going to teach us all about Sharon Carr, which it is appropriate because uh, Joe Frost is British and Sharon Carr is British as well. I couldn't, I, there were only four episodes on Tubi, but do they focus on crimes that take place in Great Britain or do they just focus on kids? I couldn't really tell. I think they just focus on kids. I don't know. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe when I'm lying on the couch after this, I will watch another episode of Killer Kids. Mm-hmm. I thought about it, but I did not have the the fortitude to watch another episode. That is correct. Well, we might, I might, because we found out last night that the Netflix play something for me is bullshit. Yeah, it sucks. It's just like we we play something random based on your interests. No, the fuck you don't. No, I the don't fuck you watch don't. This stupid dating show. I don't watch any of those. No, I like you know. I I just wanted to put on something stupid. I put on Kill Bill and fell asleep in five minutes. But um, <laughs> I said, okay, play something. They played fucking Grey's Anatomy, and I I'm like, I couldn't hate a show more because medical person, I do not like Grey's Anatomy. And I said, okay, play something else. Gilmore Girls started in the middle, and I said, because I am a white lady in my thirties, you wanted yeah. to play Grey's Anatomy and Gilmore Girls for me? No, thank you. Jesus. I actually went on HBO Max because I was furious. I basically did the streaming service equivalent of get me my purse. Yes. Yes. My purse. Trapper, my purse. We were leaving the streaming service. I did actually watch um, the original Aladdin yesterday morning and it was as good as I remember it. Oh. Because I have Disney Plus now because my husband uh, wants to watch The Mandalorian, which uh, he says is fantastic. And so I've been watching all of my 90s uh, Disney favorites that I enjoyed as a child. And I am really unearthing where all of my feminist uh, righteous rage came from. (laughs) Yes, Jasmine, Princess Jasmine, uh, saying that she is going to use her power as queen to get rid of Jafar and um, 10 Things I Hate About You, which Mm -hmm. is basically, you know, my teen years. Both of our teen years, let's be real here. Yeah. 
Oh, speaking of, before we get into Sharon Carr, I was talking to one of my friends uh, last night. Uh, two of our friends uh, had a gender reveal party that didn't involve a forest fire. Thank you very much. And he brought up um, punk shows that took place um, at the little performance space across from the Walgreens of the town that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just a little. That was just a little flashback that I didn't need. <laughs> It was a very special time in my life, our lives. Uh, So anyway, Sharon Carr, um, we're going to take it back to the early 90s since we, you know, we've been talking about the 90s for five minutes now to June 2nd. Yeah. And that's what the kids love nowadays. They're like, if I were a teenager in the 90s, I would be so cool. It's like, no, you wouldn't. You would be wearing like, listen, when we were growing up in the 90s, I wore stirrup leggings and oversized sweatshirts. Like it was not cute. But I was so, like, we were uh, also children in the 90s. <laughs> I had stirrup, shout out to my mother, I had stirrup leggings in every color and yep. long shirts, which is basically what I wear now. Yep. I mean, it, it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're doing what we wanted to do in our teen years way better now. Mm. Well, we have money now. Well, we have money now, yes. And also we just, and we also decide that we want to do things correctly. Yes. <laughs> Dye our hair appropriately. Get piercings at a reputable place. <laughs> yes. So Sharon in 1992, correct? Yes. Was 12 years old. Yes. And murdered Katie mm-hmm. Ratcliffe, who at yes. the time was 18. Yes. And a hairdresser. And a hairdresser. And, and not only killed her, mutilated her. Yes. And it was... The crime occurred in such a way that the investigators believed it was a man in his 30s that attacked Katie. Mm -hmm. And it was a stabbing, which is a really up close and personal way Mm. to kill somebody. Very personal, yes. Very personal. And they were basically strangers. Mm -hmm. They were. She was kind of um, trolling the streets. Mm -hmm. I suppose looking for a victim and Katie was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes. And this crime went unsolved for four years. You know, we learn a little bit that uh, there's something there's something amiss with uh, Sharon. Somebody from the Daily Mail said that they were able to get their hands on her journals. And she, you know, was happy that she murdered Katie. She was she enjoyed the murder. She had no remorse. And she'd do it again. Mm-hmm. So Sharon was born in British Honduras, which is now mm-hmm. known as Belize. Correct. Uh, Dad was a violent drunk, and Mom also had an explosive temper. She was very callous. Yep. Mom met a British dude, and they moved to England, where Mm -hmm. um, Sharon had a a hard time acculturating, which is can be a red flag for future. um, I don't want to say violent behavior, but shitty behavior. (laughs) Good way to put it. She was regularly smoking cannabis at twelve, very very young, and. What we know about drug abuse is when people start using drugs at a very young age, their development stops. Right. Their their psychological development kind of is stunted, especially with harder drugs, but with marijuana as well. The biggest concern with kids smoking marijuana regularly, like on a daily basis, um, especially at that age, is that it's going to hinder the development of the brain. It's going to cause Mm -hmm. long-term damage. Right. And... In a small percentage of people who have a genetic predisposition, it could trigger psychosis. Correct. Yeah, correct. And we do know, so um, 
Sharon's father was an addict, uh, alcoholic. So, you know, did she have a predisposition to addiction and to have a poor uh, reaction and a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a predisposure to having, to not being able to tolerate substance as well. Yeah. And this was definitely like a maladaptive coping skill for her because there was a lot going on at home that wasn't great. Sure. Yeah. Did you see, I'm just going to split the pages of my notes. Mom uh, poured boiling fat on her, on uh, Sharon's stepfather right in front of her. Yep. And he said he looked over at Sharon while it was happening and she had a completely fat, flat expression, like no reaction to it whatsoever, um, which to me is evidence of a trauma impacted brain. You know, her, her development was severely impacted by her experiences in life up until that point. I mean, this was normal for her. This was normal behavior from her mother. Violence was normal to her. Harm was normal to her. So Suff- pain, her- suffering was normal. Right. So her fight or flight didn't kick in because her brain said, oh, this is fine. Yeah, her brain recognized it. That's so scary and so sad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so she grew up in, so she grew up in this, so she grew up in this environment and it's not a big jump or a shock that violent behavior became part of her life going forward outside of home. Right. And I think it's important to note, too, when we grow up with violence as the language, it's the language that we learn to mm-hmm. solve problems, to communicate our needs, to express our feelings, uh, because we have no other way of doing so. Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. And she didn't, you know, she didn't have a chance. She didn't have, you know, somebody to redirect that behavior. And odds are she didn't have the support that she needed to get away from that, to get away from that environment because she didn't know that it was abnormal. How could she, you know, she wouldn't know to flee from that behavior if she, you know, didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And why would she? Right. I'm not excusing her murdering anybody by any stretch of the imagination, but it makes sense. Right. It's not really a, a surprise. That she yeah, did something it's not, violent. No, not at all. Um, and even though we, I think we debunked the McDonald triad years ago. Um, in the, oh my in God. The, I, I just, sorry to interrupt you. But no, it's fine. I just listened to a podcast with a host who I think worked for the FBI and she brought up the McDonald triad. I was like, bam, we have to have a conversation because <laughs> McDonald himself said this isn't hard evidence on, you know, predictability of violent behavior but anyway no she did uh she was violent toward animals and neighborhood pets were starting to disappear it's worth noting that mom did voodoo including animal sacrifice and she witnessed that correct so you know it's not necessarily a predisposition but you know it shows a pattern of violent behavior Mm -hmm. did someone from the fbi really bring up the mcdonald triad yep oh gosh they bring up conversion therapy too (laughs) might as well Ugh, I can't. So, she, yes. So Sharon, so Sharon killed Katie in 1992. Uh, Katie was the antithesis of Sharon. She was bubbly. She was popular. She was outgoing. Um, I I don't know yeah. what I meant to type. <laughs> What'd you type? But I I wrote this on my phone, so autocorrect kicked in, and it just, oh god, <laughs> it says Lord of Friends. Katie was the lord of her friends, apparently. I probably meant to say she had lots of friends. The lord of the friends, yes. Lord of the flies, lord of the friends. Uh, So, you know, her family was, friends and family were completely devastated when she was was killed. Um, So apparently 
Katie went out with a bunch of her friends and went to a pub, didn't come home. Uh, it's. Can I just say that yeah. the, the club that they were at was called Ragamuffins, which sounds exactly like a British club in the 90s. It does sound like a British club <laughs> in the 90s. And I do love that for them. <laughs> was it in a dodgy area? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently uh, it was if Sharon was around. Sharon just made a dodgy for him. Uh, so she ran, Katie ran into Sharon early in the morning. The theory is they met in a car when Katie was flagging down a ride. I don't know. They used a very British term for it. What did they say? I can't remember. I didn't write oh. it down, which was stupid on my behalf. And so Katie and Sharon ran into each other at some point. Uh, Sharon murdered Katie and Katie was found dead, um, half naked and stabbed. There was trauma to her reproductive organs and her vaginal area, which they likened to Jack the Ripper. It was that severe. Yes, they did. And they're theorizing that Sharon killed for control, which makes sense. She didn't have any control in her, in any other facet of her life. Mm -hmm. And, um, she said in her diary that killing Katie gave her a sense of euphoria. Sharon got a a multitude of diagnoses, um, the most notable being um, schizoaffective disorder, not saying people with schizoaffective disorder become murderers. We've said it once, we've said it a million times, people with a psych diagnosis are much more likely to be the victim of crimes Mm -hmm. than the perpetrator of crimes. Um, I was going to say that one of the things that they kept repeating that really bothered me is, oh, you don't expect this from a girl. You don't expect this from a girl. Um, I mean, I don't expect something like this from a child, especially because she killed an adult. Yes, that was huge. Let's not forget that women and girls are just as capable of horrific acts as their male counterparts. You know, I mean, using that like, oh, I don't expect this from a girl or a woman is how girls and women get away with crimes for a lot longer or get lighter sentences or things like that. That is true. Not okay. And they and they did. They discussed, you know, a child killing adult is yes, that is ex- that is ex- that is rare. And they said a woman killing a woman, especially a woman that they didn't know, is rare. Saying that there had to be some sort of emotional entanglement for a woman to kill another woman, which you know, first of all, bite me, and second of all, you know, broaden your horizons. Right. I mean, if we look at someone like Aileen Wernos, her mm-hmm. motivation was partly trauma, partly money. So yes, not accurate. Yes. Oh, I almost watched Monster last night. Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch it tonight. Uh, so, so yeah. So you're basically they kind of pigeonholed themselves into thinking they were looking for an adult man when they were looking for a female child uh, who perpetrated this murder. You know, the murder went unsolved for two years until June of 1994. As a June baby, I'm sort of annoyed by all this June stuff happening. So is Luna. Yes. And Trapper actually is a June baby too. Um, all these Gemini's, man. June 1994, almost two years to the day when Sharon murdered Katie. Sharon stabbed a student at a local school named Anne Marie Clifford almost to death in a bathroom that Sharon lured her into. And Sharon was a uh, sort of was it was sort of a terrifying figure. It was like the school bully saying, "Go to the bathroom. You're going to the bathroom." Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anne Marie was terrified. So she yes. lied because she mm-hmm. figured if I don't, something worse, worse will happen. has come to me. And um per Anne Marie, Sharon was smiling right up until the murder. Like she was she knew what she was going to do and was thrilled with what she was going to do. And mm-hmm. she again uh stabbing was the method of harm there. Mm-hmm. She and her Anne, in the lung. 
Yeah. And thank goodness uh, students came into the bathroom when, you know, right after this happened and Amory was able to get medical attention and survived. So because of this, uh, Sharon was tried and found guilty, sentenced to two years at a youth correctional facility. And in the while she was incarcerated in the spring of 1996, Sharon admitted to killing Katie Radcliffe. Uh, so she did the thing that criminals do that caused them to get caused. They bragged about their murders. Yeah, she she was she was bragging. They said, um, which is unsurprising that uh, one of the doctors or experts that they interviewed in the documentary had said that her her diagnoses were very complicated because on top sure. of schizoaffective disorder, she had a personality disorder. She had, well, schizoaffective, I'll explain in a minute, but there's mood mm-hmm. disorder. So it doesn't surprise me a lot of people who have those narcissistic traits or sociopathic traits will brag about their crimes and that's how mm-hmm. they get in trouble. Or they will pretend they committed a crime. So they'll be like, it was me. I was Jack the Ripper. And it's like, it's no 2022. You, you're definitely not Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yep. It's the, um, we call it the rule of three in healthcare, um, especially, excuse me, with substance abuse and with addiction. Um, if someone tells you they have one beer a night, they have three. Yeah, that's fair. And also if someone tells you they do heroin three times a day, they do heroin once a day. Hmm. That's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Because there's more of a stigma to drugs than alcohol because alcohol, you're like, oh yeah, I could, you know, um, I mean, it's vice versa. Oh yeah. I can do all these drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, you probably can't. And then with alcohol, it's more normalized in the society. It's normal to have one beer a night. It's not normal to have three beers a night. I don't know why it just reminded me of this, but when my friend Courtney and I were volunteering at our school's co-op, which was Mm -hmm. like a little cafe um, in college, there was this kid that was like in love with her and he would always come in (laughs) and he would always be like, I just went to a party and I did like 25 shots. And we'd be like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're alive. (laughs) I don't know why, but it was so weird. He was, I don't know. Courtney, he, but, he he had such a stature that Courtney was like, he reminds me of that little kid in a movie from the 50s with like a sailor outfit and a lollipop. He's like, it's what I did today. Stillwell Angel from A League of Our Own. The little kid from A League of Our Own that went, you're gonna lose. <laughs> he was a little fat kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awful. That's a weird flex too. Right? Like it's like, people like have, okay, so you're an alcoholic. What do you want us to say to that? It's like the people that brag that they like broke a bone and didn't go to the hospital. I'm like, yes, the American healthcare system is broken. Yes. The fact that you have a broken arm and it's just, you know, dangling out in the universe isn't a good thing. Yes. Joe. <laughs> God damn it, Joe. God damn it, Joe. Uh, so, so, yeah, so she bragged about her murder and basically gave herself up. It's like, you know, if people tell you the truth, believe them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, shit, this child committed this murder. Well, we were on the wrong, you know, the Keystone cops were on the wrong track. Um, they, so they found her diary at that mm-hmm. point in time at the estate where she and her mother had lived. And here are some entries from it. I wish I could kill you again. I promise I would make you suffer more. Your terrified screams turned me on. Ew. I swear I was born to be a murderer. Killing for me is a mass turn on and it makes me so high I never want to come down. Every night I see the devil in my dreams, sometimes even in my mirror, but I realize it was just me and my heart of terror. It's like bad emo poetry. Um, It is. Well, she was 12. She was 12 to 16. Can can you imagine if someone found your 
early teen years diaries. Oh, they would probably call an exorcist. Yeah, me too. So, I mean, this is definitely, you know, she got a high from it, which makes sense because mm-hmm. the adrenaline kicks in when you do power. something like this. She felt power and control yep. where she normally didn't. Um, there was a sexual aspect to it as well for her, mm-hmm. um, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And it's also interesting because they were able to, they were able to find her guilty of murder without very much physical evidence. Sharon knew things about the crime scene that nobody else would know. So she like had a very visceral, clear, this was a core memory for her. Mm -hmm. She probably lived it over and over and over in her head. Yeah. Yeah, and you know how we have those memories like that, but for us, like, the memory would be, you know, our wedding day, a child being born, um, getting a degree that we worked really hard for. Those are, like, core memories that we have in our lives, you know, that have to do with, you know, self-love, love of others, you know, those transformative moments in our lives, and also, you know, losing somebody that we love, you know, those are the memories that Yeah, yeah, traumas. Those are the memories you could, you knew what you were wearing, you could, you could replay every second of that. And for her, that murder was that memory. That's, that's really sad. In that context, that is really, really, really sad. It was a defining moment in her life. She talked about Katie, you know, the, the bracelet that Katie had on. Yeah, so they were able to, yeah, they were able to find her guilty just by her own memory because it was so exact. So so in May of 1996, she was tried and convicted after, um, so actually she was um, acute. She was charged with the murder after 27 hours of being interviewed and questioned. She was charged with with murder. And then she put into her diary, you know, uh, in June of 1996, respect to Katie Radcliffe, four years today. Mm-hmm. I saw that. That's, yeah. Uh-uh. There was also one that I couldn't make out what it said. It said, like, Katie versus something that they kept showing. And I couldn't make out what, what it I couldn't. Said. I couldn't either. Damn, Tootie. Ha- do you hear Luna coughing? I do hear Luna, poor pumpkin. Okay, baby. Trapper does that once in a while. I think it's... That almost sounds like allergies. He'll do that if he breeds in some dust or something. Poor baby. Yeah, that's my, my. I mean, I'm not a vet, but I think it's either allergies or asthma or both. Yeah, because he does it once in a blue moon. But if he, yes. if she gets into a jag, it's asthma. Mm-hmm. So, so Sharon then re- retracted her confession, um, which they said is a very, is a common thing if somebody is a very common defense technique, because then the prosecution has to prove that she's guilty. Mm, okay. Yeah. They, yep. <laughs> did they go to court with their little wigs on? Yeah, they, they kind of sounded like it was the tribunal thing was, yeah, I, my only frame of reference is Harry Potter. Because uh, <laughs> they, 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 I think they still do it. They, in English court, they wear those stupid wigs, those white wigs. <laughs> I never want it. I never want a job that has to do with me wearing a wig. No, what the fuck? I would go. I know. What I would not. If I were a lawyer over there, I'd be like, I'm not fucking doing that. Or I'd show up with a share wig on. That or that, yes. Yeah. I always said if I lost my hair for any reason, I would get a share wig. Like I would get a waist length, you know, middle part black yeah. wig down to my waist. And then, then I would just wear it once a year and I would just not have hair. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so the jury, you know, she was found guilty and the jury had to decide murder versus manslaughter. 
Um, there was no forensic evidence, but, you know, Sharon knew all the details of the murder and the jury um, found a, her unanimously guilty. The jury was seven men, five women, all in wigs. Um, <laughs> and Sharon was found guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. She was sentenced to life imprisonment, imprisonment with a minimum of 14 years, which was yes. later changed to either 12 or 10. I wasn't really clear. A few articles said different things. Well, what happened was, so after 14, or after 10 years, she's eligible for parole. Mm-hmm. However, um, she was initially incarcerated at a prison, but was difficult to manage. Her behavior was difficult to manage, and she often fought with other inmates. So what happened was she was she was transferred transferred to several different prisons mm-hmm. um, until eventually she was sectioned, like legally sectioned, to Broadmoor Hospital, which is mm-hmm. a, for lack of better words, a hospital for the criminally insane. Where and that's where she received the diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder. Correct. Until it was changed to a male only hospital, so she's still sectioned so she's still under the care of of mental health professionals right now she is not able to apply for parole until she returns to like gen pop in in a, a regular prison if ever she does i which i doubt she will um and i think it's interesting that you know she was sentenced to 14 years and then the judge kind of just said nah bro yeah what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, she no, also, we're not doing that. We're not doing she, that. While she was in the in the hospital, I think while she was at Broadmoor, she became engaged to fellow inmate Robbie Lane, who killed his own mother by gouging out her eyes. How are all these people getting engaged? I mean, what the fuck? I don't know. And I, I read an article, like I, I couldn't really find much else about the the two of them being engaged or getting married or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I read I found one article that said that they had read an article about themselves, like about their engagement, and for the first time found out about the other's crimes and were so disgusted with each other that they like called it off. That doesn't sound very realistic to me. I was like, I think you just made that up. (laughs) I think think they just made that up. No, because disgusted does not sound like something that's in their wheelhouse. No, not at all. Not at all. Amidst the eye gouging and the stabbing of strangers. Like, yeah. I feel like that they would have told each other. First of all, they definitely told each other about their crimes. Yeah, because they. not a secret. Yeah, because Sharon got off to her crime. So why wouldn't she tell her partner things that sexually aroused her, which was stabbing people? And I feel like he would have said, oh, I gouged out my mom's eyes. And she would have been like, nice. Yeah. Oh, I would have. Yeah. So what I don't get these people getting engaged in jail. Like Charlie Charles Manson got engaged a bunch of times, Gypsy Rose, Blanchard. I what is this? I don't know. Also maybe, the fact maybe there's like a prison <laughs> Tinder or something. Didn't we find it once? Oh yeah, we found that website where you can find inmates to write to, which was interesting. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the night we went down a, a rabbit hole, uh, brought to you by Box Wine. Um <laughs> sure enough did. Let me talk a little bit about schizoaffective disorder. That's a so segue. It is. It is. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of writing letters to inmates, it is the marriage between uh, schizophrenia and affective disorder, as mm-hmm. the diagnosis implies, which means any kind of mood disorder. In my experience, it usually means it's bipolar disorder. So there's a mania and a depression, but it could be just depression as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people are diagnosed with those two separate things schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, but a mm-hmm. lot of the time it's just schizoaffective disorder. Um, so that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a mood disorder with the 
likely the positive symptoms of schizophrenia, like hallucinations and delusions and things like that, which I suppose is a little bit complicated because those things can exist in bipolar disorder without a schizophrenia diagnosis, like paranoid mm-hmm. ideation, things like that. But I think it's just like, it's above and beyond. Like it, most people with bipolar disorder aren't hallucinating. You Correct. know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, that's that's what that's all about. I don't, did it necessarily mean that it caused her to commit murder? No, I think it was a multi, I think, I think deciding why somebody commits murder, you it's, it's a complicated problem that absolutely has a complicated solution. I mean, if you think about schizophrenia, you could think maybe she was really like in her own head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it maybe, was the safest place for her to be. Maybe she had some delusions of grandeur, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I mean, it definitely sounds like she did. <laughs> yeah, she Absolutely. But they also tacked on one of the women in the documentary said borderline and so, um, antisocial personality disorder. It's my understanding that you can't be yeah, diagnosed with more than one thing in each like <laughs> section. So you can't have like depression and dysthymia because like pick mm-hmm. one. It's one or the other. So I, so I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really work with personality disorders too much. So I'm not really an expert Good for you. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, she doesn't definitely sounds like she has some sociopathic traits. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. She sure does. So, yeah. And they had also talked in the documentary about is this nature or nurture? Which eh. listen, anytime you hear somebody ask that question, it consider it a hypothetical. It's both. It's almost I was going to say both. yes, yes. Is this nature or nurture? Yes, yes. <laughs> because clearly, mom had some mental health things going on, mm-hmm. at, which is your nature. Um, schizophrenia, in and of itself, is genetic so that's your nature as -hmm. well as the trauma that she was exposed to at an early age mom and dad's violence growing up in poverty in belize um Mm -hmm. having to move to an entirely new country etc 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 there's your nurture right there you know so it's both both. we're all nature's we are all a product of both nature and nurture i have anxiety and depression because my entire family does. And I also work a high stress job and live through hell the past two years. You know, that's, it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's complicated. Don't oversimplify it. I think it being one or the other is kind of the exception, not the rule. That's yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely a fair point. I mean, what comes to mind is children that are adopted that. So mom or dad had criminal behavior or mental health problems, Mm -hmm. like bio mom or dad, but the adoptive family is all of the wonderful things that a child needs to thrive. So you have Mm -hmm. this, so it's nature only, right? You have that genetic component, but not the environment that causes somebody to snap, if you will. Yeah, or vice or vice versa. You mm-hmm. have a child, you know, a beautiful, wonderful child that was born into, you know, that was raised in an environment that you could barely fathom, drug abuse, it, it, drug abuse in the home, drug, you know, trafficking in the home, sexual abuse, vi- sexual violence. That's all nurture. But again, that's the that's the exception, not the rule. I mean, it shouldn't happen ever, but thank goodness that it doesn't it's it's rare but it's whatever you know whatever it is nature versus nurture it's awful and a young and what we're finding out is an incredible life was lost because of it almost two almost two yeah and sharon did not get what she needed 
they, you know what? They kept saying that she was the youngest convicted female murderer in British history. Mm-hmm. But Mary Bell was 10 years old when she committed murder. Oh, really? England. Yeah. So I don't know what, the, what they're smoking, but mm. yeah, England is like, they've got England's- a lot of little kids running around killing people. Over there. <laughs> England's going through some things. I mean, we've got school shooters over here, so I guess we can't really. Yeah, we're not doing too great over here. Yeah. I don't like any of that for any of us. You know, if you go to Australia, you might get killed by a drop bear. If you go to England, you might get killed by a child. It's just a risk you take. Yeah. So avoid, so avoid drop bears and children at appropriate locations. So that is Sharon Carr. No happy ending to this story. No. Nope. None at all. Give me a random question, will you? My random question is, what is next on your 2022 bingo card? Like, what are you expecting now? Oh, oh, God. I my, This was inspired by a Reddit post where I told you about it. My favorite response was that God comes down and just says, it's pronounced Jod, and then returns to heaven. <laughs> I, li- I like that very, very much. I don't know. I like, I half expect like all the butter in the world. I mean, all the water in the world to turn to butter or something like I like nothing's really nothing's really out of the realm of possibilities for me. I'm like, like this year started. Yeah, we lost Betty White. Like I get nothing's out of the realm for me. Considering that there were several near disasters with nuclear power plants, I think we could safely put on our bingo card um, X-Men actually happening. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping, as a, as a healthcare worker that handles toxic chemicals, and I, I really think I'm in the running to be an X-Man. Yeah, but you'll get some, like, boring superpower, like... I know, like, I'll be able to... <laughs> you can, yeah, it's like, you could fall asleep in 10 minutes, which is great. Well, oh my really gosh, I would, I would kill for that power. Are you kidding me? I have to solve the world's problems before I go to bed every night. Like, that would be great. Oh, that would be, yeah, superpower... Oh, I got. I'll I'll spin this back on you. What is a superpower that would only that you could get that would only benefit you? <sighs> what is your selfish superpower? I was just gonna say, cook really fast, but that could benefit other people. Yeah, it's true. It'd mostly benefit me right now, but um, yeah, I don't know. Everything that's coming to mind could potentially benefit other people. I just thought of a really good one. When you take your clothes out of the, you know, out of the closet or out of the, um, out of the drawer, you have to figure out, you know, which side is, uh, you know, which side, you know, make sure you don't put it on backwards. Mm-hmm. Be able to put on your clothes without deciding, without figuring out, like, you know, without having to stumble. It'll just always come out the right way and you never have to look. Oh, how about you know how to fold a, f- a fitted sheet? I mean, I am not a witch. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a superpower. You know how to fold a fitted sheet. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that could benefit other people. But yeah, so being able to clothe yourself very effectively with minimal effort. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Oh, so that was another rousing episode of Biopsychosocial. Yes. So be so we charge you to be excellent to each other. Be excellent to one another. Be inconvenient if the situation warrants. Mm-hmm. Take time for yourself. It's okay if you don't put it out an episode of your true crimes podcast because you're going through some shit. And uh, join our Patreon because today I am uploading a video of me playing Simulacra, which Jordan is going to join me for the next time. Yes. Um, So those are, you know, our patrons get 
an unedited video, unedited video of our podcast episodes, except for this one, because we had to be distant today. Yes. Um, as well as a couple bonuses. So we're going to do, I think, two bonuses this month instead of just one. Yes, we will. You could join for as little as $1 a month, but at $3, you get those bonuses, like um, access to those videos. So, correct. Anyways, and you can find us on Instagram at BiopsychPod and on Facebook, Facebook at BiopsychoSocial. At BiopsychoSocial. <laughs> I was trying to help and it, you know, it just didn't go well. But yeah, I mean, have a, have a good day. Have a good day. We love you. We love you. Fuck Putin. All right. Bye. Bye.